We've been in a series called Greater Than, and it's been all about priorities. And it's been really good to be hearing from, from you during this series. And this week is going to be kind of a wrap-up, kind of an overview uh, of the whole thing. If you're new with us and, and haven't been a part of it at all, uh, hang tight, because we're going to kind of bring you up to speed in some ways. But one of the things that we realize and, and have been realizing, and you know, is that it's one thing to set priorities. It's another thing to live by your priorities, Right? I mean, if it was just a matter of setting priorities, we would all be in perfect, tip-top shape. Can I get an amen? It's hard, it's hard to live by them, even though you can set the right priorities. It's difficult to live by them. And then even once you set priorities, life changes. Things change. You grow. You learn new things. And so you have to readjust priorities and talk with them, talk them through and, and get your life in line with them. What's, what's often easy is choosing between good and really, really bad. We know those decisions. What, what, what gets difficult is choosing between good, better, and best, right? Best gets muddled in with good and better, and that's what begins to confound us, and we don't, don't really know how to move forward sometimes. Enter the land of priorities and making those decisions. Now, God's given us some very clear priorities in the scriptures. He's laid some things down that are very clear. This is most important. These are the things to go after. These are the things to avoid. But one of the things that we talked about early on in this series, I, I have had people come and say, I'm not familiar with the doctrine of Oreo. Could you lay that out for me? Or they've asked if it was some kind of an acronym, you know, and I said, no, it's, it's none of that. We brought up Oreos early on in the priority series because of this. If you remember, I had a stack of three Oreos, a stack of two Oreos, and a single Oreo. And it was laid out there to remind us of this fact, that while God's given us some very clear priorities, He's also allowed us to flesh those out and live those out in different ways. So while the non-negotiable clear ones that are laid out in Scripture aren't up for debate, the way that they flesh out really are. There's a lot of different ways that these things can happen. And so what we talked about was, let's not just assume that our priorities should be everyone else's priorities. Josh is a guy that I can pick on, so I'm going to pick on Josh. Let's just say Josh over here in the second row read some scripture, is following the Lord, and has laid out some priorities, and Josh decides, I'm going to impose that on everyone else in this room. And so he comes over here to Mindy, and he confronts Mindy on not having the exact priorities that, that he has. Or, worse yet, he just keeps it uh, to himself for a while, but judges Mindy because her priorities aren't exactly the same as his own. Or even worse than all of that, is he decides not to confront Mindy or just keep it to himself, but he tells everyone over here in, in this section of the sanctuary about how Mindy's priorities are all out of whack. If you are a sweet tooth, the stack of three Oreos is clearly the best choice. If you're diabetic the stack of one Oreo is clearly the best choice, right? If you're a neat freak, which which is the best one? Remember? One Oreo. If I have to pick any Oreos, I guess I'll pick the one stack. So as we move through priorities, as we lay these out, let's do this just before God and not in front of anyone else or worrying about other people. There's huge power in figuring out the greater than. There's huge freedom in that. What happens is we're able to take the the, the non-essentials and lay those down and focus our energy on the things that we're supposed to prioritize. 
It's a worthwhile battle to figure this stuff out. In Luke 8, there's a parable that Jesus tells about four different kinds of soil. And early on in this series, I talked about the the soil that struck me as most pertinent, not just for our valley as a whole, but, but even for us as a church, is you have this seed that represents the Word of God that lands on four different kinds of soil. And one of the seeds lands on soil uh, that is among thorns. And Jesus says it this way, these are those people who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And then catch this, and they do not mature. So the word of God goes out, the word of God is there, but there's no growth. Why? Because it's being choked out by worries, riches, and pleasures. Answer me, does that sound like our valley a little bit? Yeah. Do you know why your mortgage or rent is so high? Because we are the land of riches and pleasures. And you know what's caused? It's caused a lot of worry, right? We live in a place that, that is prone to allow the word of God to come, but to have the worries of life come and choke it out. You know what helps combat that? Figuring out your priorities. What's most important? I need to cut that out. I need to not focus on that. I need to dwell right on this straight ahead. And that's what Jesus has given to us. Now, the format today is this. We're going to be spending some time looking back on some of the messages. And the reason is this. It actually illustrates exactly what we're talking about. The priority of, 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 of preaching is not just to go from book to book to book, from series to series, more and more knowledge. Jesus gave this command, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Not just fill their head with knowledge about it and then fill their head some more. Observe what I've taught them. That means it takes knowledge in, but it also takes chewing on it and then doing it. Are we observing? So before going on to more knowing, we're going to take some time this morning to figure out how are we doing with what we already know. You know what's crazy? It's actually possible for you to heap more and more judgment on yourself if you're ever learning, ever knowing, but not doing. Because now you're responsible for all this great knowledge that you have, and you can't plead, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I think American churches can be filled with people who know a lot about what they're supposed to be doing. So we're going to pause this morning, we're going to review a little bit, and we're going to actually have an opportunity to hear from you. I, I put something on the city earlier this week, some of you have written in messages, thank you, we're going to hear from some of those. Some of you, uh, some of you actually rank public speaking as a worse fate than death. That's a higher fear than death. So I thought, well, how can we remove some of the barrier that when we have a, a family share time, this is just the priesthood of, of believers gathered. How can we hear from brothers and sisters in the family who would rather die than to stand up and share? How has God been teaching you in this series? How has God rebuked you? How has he encouraged you? How has your life changed? So instead of just offering it live, you're going to have an opportunity um, to, to text in uh, if you would like. Um, you, you, can, you, can, you can actually just text in your response, and then you don't have to stand up and, and debate. Is, is death better or public speaking better? Okay? 
And, uh, and you don't need to be profound. Just, just text in, how has God affected you in this series? What have you been learning? We had someone stand in the first service, and he shared something that six months from now, those who were in first service can ask him, hey, how is that going? God's really transformed your thinking on this. How is it going six months later? That's a really, really healthy, good thing. Um, just before the band uh, comes back up, I want to revisit. We ended this series with two weeks on worship, and I didn't get to this last week, and I want to I have you hear it. Uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus has come, and he's talking to the seven churches in Revelation, and it's a little bit like a teacher coming to give the report card. Hey, here are the things you're doing well. Here are the things you're not doing well in. Or it's like a doctor coming and, and diagnosing the health of a church. What I want to show you is this. I want you to just hear what does Jesus commend about these churches and what does he criticize about these churches. And I want you to kind of overlay it with the, the, uh, the, the, the layer of worship. To the church at Ephesus, here's what he commends. He commends their hard, faithful work, that they test apostles and they hate false words. Here's what he criticizes. They've lost their first love. Not only have they lost their first love, but they've they've lost their first work. They don't work like they used to. To the church at Smyrna, he, he commends the fact that they've endured suffering, slander, poverty, and imprisonment. You know what he criticizes about this church? Nothing. No criticism for this church. Pretty awesome. The church at Pergamum. He says you, you, you hold fast and are faithful in a difficult place. Not unlike the Silicon Valley. Common knowledge is that this is a difficult place for you to work and share your faith. We are wrapped up in the cares of this world. Many people in this valley are, are affluent in terms of material possessions. They're not wondering what their next daily bread is going to come from. So they're not looking to God. Not unlike Pergamum. Here's the criticism. You put up with impure teaching and impure living. Thyatira, here's another church. He commends their works, their love, their faith, their service, and their patient endurance. And then he makes a point of saying this, and you're growing in these. The works you're doing now, the ways you're loving now, are even more than when you first began. Here's the criticism. You tolerate false teachers and immoral living. Here's the church at Sardis. You have a great legacy. There's a lot of past work that you build on. Here's the criticism. Your reputation doesn't match the reality. You're living off of yesteryear's legacy about what a great church you did. All you talk about were what you did 20 years ago. You're sleepy, you're weak, and you're forgetful. That's the criticism of of the church at Sardis. The church at Philadelphia commends the fact that they have works and that they're small, but they're faithful and they're enduring. Criticisms? None. But a message to them. Hold on! Hang on, church at Philadelphia. Finally, the church at Laodicea. Here's what he commends about them. Long, awkward pause. Zero commendation of the church at Laodicea. Who knows what the criticism was? Tell me. Lukewarm. Church at Laodicea, 
You're not hot or you're not cold. You're lukewarm. Remember from a couple of weeks ago in Malachi? I wish that someone would shut the door of the worship places because I'm being offered up laid-back worship. Lukewarm leftovers. Jesus says, I would rather you be hot or cold, but none of this lukewarm stuff. You know what I want to show you? The reason I wanted you to hear all seven of those churches kind of condensed of what was commended, what was criticized, here's what's true of all of them. Absent is a single mention of the volume of the instruments, what instruments were played, the dress code, how hip on the hipster scale the worship leader was, the color of the walls, the temperature of the room, the version of scripture that they used. The very things that Christians love to fight about in worship services. None of those got a mention. Those are worth having conversations about, but are they greater than? No. Here's what's greater than. Note how prominent works and lifestyle are in the, in the commendation and in the criticism. It's not just about an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. It's not about Bible study midweek. It's about your lifestyle. It's about how you're living. It's about how you're loving. Love and perseverance and faith and the word of Christ and honor and the fact that you're growing in these things. That's what's weightier. That's what's really important in worship. Guarding against laziness, guarding against apathy and impurity and evil and idolatry, those are all listed as well. I want to invite the band to come on up and continue leading us in one more song here before we move into something else. This is a song called Cornerstone, and it's really a a, a remake. It was a song that I sang as a kid, and uh, it was written in 1834. And one of the stanzas that we'll sing says this, When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, to stand before the throne. Don't you love the forward-looking component of that, of that verse? It says there's an end coming. Are our priorities pointing to that? Church, let's major on the majors. Let's grow up in these areas that we may be lacking or may be doing great in. Let's hold on in them. Let's be found faithful till the end. Let's be found in Him alone on that day. Let's continue to sing. All right, so keeping the main thing, the main thing is really hard, but it's really, really necessary. One of the images that was helpful to us early on was thinking about the Transcontinental Railroad and imagine these two groups of people, these two outfits, these two companies that were tasked with one heading east, one heading west. What did success look like? It was really clear. Success looked like your track eventually lines up with the track coming the other way. That was the main thing. That was the main goal. And figuring that out made a thousand other decisions a lot easier. Really important decisions. Life and death decisions. There was money and resources. There were the lives of people and animals that were at stake in terms of deciding, do we go up over this mountain? Do we blast through it? Do we head left? We go right. And success was was really clear. We have to line up on the other side. 
That's the main thing. That's the priority. And their story really reminds me a lot of life. They were dealing with some very uncharted, poorly mapped areas. Isn't that life? We, we, we kind of know some things, but none of us know what's, what next week really brings. A single phone call has changed the lives of many in this room. We didn't know it was coming the week before. Life is poorly mapped. What's that one thing that would guide all the other decisions that we have to make? If you're a Christian in the room this morning, there's some words you are longing to hear. There is a goal. There is a track coming the other way that you want to line up perfectly with. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus is going to say that to those who are coming in to enter their rest on Judgment Day. That's going to be a party. That's what a Christian wants to be found at the end of the age. They want to be found faithful to Jesus Christ. That's the main thing, that the, the priority. We looked at what it looked like to be uh, in priority as a church. If you're a New Testament church, you've been given your identity and you've been given your assignment. The scriptures lay out very clearly who you are and what you are to be doing. Many churches, I believe, uh, get sidetracked in the assignment. Um, I, th- I think the identity remains the same. I think that, that, that isn't maybe so much of a struggle. But I think in the assignment of what a church has been given to do can oftentimes get muddled. There's mission accomplished, but there's also mission creep that kind of uh, comes in on churches. And no one likes a creep. Amen? Yeah. Churches become safe instead of dangerous. Churches focus on being really, really nice instead of being holy. Churches that were once bold become cautious. And churches that were mandated and identified and assigned to be self-sacrificing and sacrificial become self-absorbed. And when you get off track with your assignment, what happens is your priorities get all out of whack. And the things that you start to do that become most important as you begin to guard what's yours. You begin to really strive for your own comfort. You begin to look at a decision and go, well, that seems really hard. That seems unknown. That seems different. And so I think we'll make this choice over here. Every church wrestles with it. It's called mission creep. And we talk about this as a church because we want to remain faithful to what God has called us to do as a church. Now, uh, this is a Andy Warhol-inspired poster back here. We have something around this church called the play button. And, and this is what went up in response to that. Now, this is a real question. I want real responses here. Uh, does anyone know what the three points of the play button represent? Uh, elders are excluded from this. Put your hand back down. Mindy. Worship, community, share. Worship. Give it up for Mindy. Worship, community, and share. This is a far less... Uh, Mindy, you've got to pay attention. You're the only one that needs to. That's a terrible throw. <laughs> Fortunately, her family spreads to the left. Um, we, we bring up the, 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 the play button. And, and I love that uh, Anne helped, helped come up with this concept. I love that she put it on a Frisbee. 
Because there's a playfulness to being in a relationship with God. It's not all just, just solemn and serious. Are we to worship with reverence and awe? Absolutely. But there's a playfulness and a joy to being a church. And what Worship Community and Share communicates is this. Of all the things that we are allowed to do as the church, and by the way, God has put some boundaries, He's put some fences, but He's given us a lot of playground. That's why there's a lot of variety in churches. Of all the things we could do, we must be doing these three things. We believe that every disciple of Jesus Christ is actively involved and growing in these three areas. That they're worshiping God. That they're a part of the community. And that they're sharing. And sharing has that carries with it the idea of sharing the gospel and sharing our life and sharing our stuff and sharing our emotional energy and our time. And giving it away. There's a point to all of this. So those are some of the priorities that we, that we talk about and, and focus on. We also looked at the priority of salvation. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you actually just scooped all of your money that you could find together uh, to, to purchase that thing. And then when you didn't have enough, you began to sell off other things that at one point were really, really valuable to you. But you're like, this new thing is so much more valuable. I'll gladly sell this off even at a, at a cheaper price because I've got to get this new thing. In both services, by the way, I had guitar players shaking their head yes. <laughs> In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells this parable and he tells it about a guy who does the very thing that I'm talking about. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, says that he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. I had the unique opportunity one time of having the most expensive material thing that I owned on this earth, burned down in front of me. In fact, it actually started burning with me in it. It was my Jeep. I was driving home from work, and it caught on fire on 85. And as I watched my Jeep burn to the ground and watched my windshield melt before me, I sat there, and I wasn't the least bit concerned about my Jeep. I was alive and well, smelled a little bit like smoke. My wife and kids came, pulled up, picked me up, and as the tow truck towed it back to my front door and I went through on my garage and kind of just dove, you know, dug through all the junk, it hit me really clearly. It's all going to burn. All this stuff, all the things, it's all going to meet this same fate one day. I didn't lose an ounce of sleep over that. I really didn't. I had my health, I had my wife, I had my kids. That's a, that's a picture of what's most important, of what's valuable. That was a reminder for me that day. Those who become Christians, the reason they've placed their faith, they've found something that if you pull all of their stuff, all of their pleasures, all of their wealth in one big pile, it would be a steal to give all that away to get this one thing, salvation. Not just forgiveness of your sins from the wrath that you deserve from your sin, but you're being saved into a relationship with a loving, heavenly, holy Father. And you get to walk in newness of life. That's the priority of the gospel, the priority of salvation. I love that this man goes and he does it joyfully. It's not like he's weighing, you know, should I sell these paper clips in favor of this other thing? No, I'll sell it all joyfully. I'll give it away. Some of you have been through compelled training. 
Compelled is uh, put on by a guy named Tim Riley, a friend of ours, and he's just teaching people how to share their faith. And he's doing it again at Church of the Chimes, a few miles from here. Uh, I'm sorry, Church on the Hill, uh, a few miles from here, right down Almond Expressway. It's coming up in a couple weeks. I think it starts August 19th. I'll put it on the city. But many, many Christians want to share their faith. They realize the value of the gospel and salvation, but they don't know how to enter into conversations. They feel ill-equipped. Maybe you've been through the training before. Uh, you, you'd want a refresher. That would be a great thing to go do. Four weeks. It requires you to register. It's free. I'd highly recommend it. We also talked about the priority in serving. And one of the things we talked about was this. If you're going to serve God, here's your priority. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's step one. Don't go serving God without resting in the finished work of Jesus. You know why? You'll view God as your employer, and you'll view yourself as an employee working for God. You know what an employer needs? He needs his employees to accomplish his will. You know what God isn't? An employer. Remember at the time I had two three-year-olds. Now I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. There was a birthday in our family. I had two three-year-olds, and I talked about the fact that I had one three-year-old that... that um, that wanted to help me carry in a gallon of milk from the car to the refrigerator. A dangerous venture to hand off to a three-year-old. So my three-year-old helped me by carrying that gallon of milk in. I had another three-year-old that I was measuring something with a tape measure, and he wanted to help. So I gave him one end to hold, and I would pull it out and try to measure. You know how long that took? A lot longer than if I did it myself. Now, were they helping me? Yeah, they helped me accomplish my will. Did I need them? Did I need their help to accomplish my will? No. Why did I do it? I did it because I wanted relationship with them. I invited them. I loved it. It was a lot more fun to do it with them and to teach them a little something. That's us and God. Rest in his finished work. He does not need you, but he invites you in to help. Once you rest in the finished work and you have that priority down, now you can strive at the good work. doesn't mean we're lazy. It means we're urgent. But we're striving from a place not of paying God back for all the evil we've done or any other such nonsense or because He desperately needs us and He won't be able to accomplish this if I don't do this. Instead, we're serving from a place of joy. We've been invited in to help God accomplish His will. He doesn't need us, but He chooses to, to, to use us. If you're a Christian this morning, you've probably heard this statement, that you were created for good works. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe you were created by the Creator for good works. It's a lot of you. Here was the penetrating question from that week. Do you know what those works are? You were created for good works. Do you know what they are? There's a couple broad brushstrokes, right? We know where to walk in holiness before Him. We know where to make disciples of all nations. But, but like a body, you were created in some different ways. Do you even know what those are? Are you pursuing discovering what those are so that you can give yourself to those good works? Now, we talked about the video game Pitfall, right? We, we talked about the video game Pitfall because I wanted to rope in our 80s gamers, for one thing. Um, but we also talked about vines. And there's five vines that are hanging in the building this morning. And the vines represent ways that you can grab onto something and avoid pitfalls in ministry. There's crocodiles, quicksand, and, and scorpions waiting to take you out in ministry. And here were some of the ones we talked about. Not an exhaustive list. 
But the first reality is that a priority of you in ministry and serving God is that you're keeping in check with what's invisible. Because the invisible is greater than the visible. Jesus said it this way, and you identify with this every time you take a drink of water. The inside of the cup being clean is a lot more important than the outside of the cup being clean, right? What's going on in the heart of these worship leaders, of me right now, of people in this room as they engage in ministry is a lot more important than how the outside is going. We also talked about this. Don't compare. That's this line right here. That's back to Oreos, right? What happens with kids when you give them chores, if they have siblings, is what? How come he's not working? How come he has the easier chore? Adults, let's not pretend that we're somehow so mature that we grew out of that. (laughs) We don't. We don't. I'm a pastor and I deal with people who are in ministry. Sometimes people in ministry, you know what they're doing? They're coming to me saying, how come I have to carry this heavy burden? How come I'm doing this chore? What about them over there? You know who also did it? Peter. Jesus gives him a task, remember, in, in John 21. What does he say? What about him? He's pointing to John. What's Jesus' response? Same as my mom's growing up. Worry about yourself. Read it. It's in there. Worry about yourself. My mom usually added, you've got plenty to worry about with yourself, right? It's a true statement. Uh, that's, that's certainly another pitfall to, to avoid. All right, here's another one. Back here in the back, don't copy. Don't copy in ministry. Don't worry about what other churches are doing. If, if God's called you to engage in a ministry, don't worry about what other ministries are doing. Learn from them, meet with them, stand on their shoulders if they've figured some stuff out, but don't copy. Here's another one, this one right here. Don't forget timing. When you're assessing, how's this ministry going? How are things, how are things doing in this ministry? Don't forget about timing. Healthy things grow, but healthy things take time to grow. So when you're assessing things, don't be bummed out because it's not growing as fast as you want it to or as much impact as you thought it should. When you want to give up, make sure you're not giving up because you're tired or beat down or it's somehow uh, the enemy beating you down. Figure out timing. Pray through that. Think that through a little bit. Last week we talked about this one. The idea that you are not omni-anything. Omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. You know what those are? God-like traits. Repeat after me. I am not God. I am not God. Man, that's a huge load off. Isn't that a big sigh of relief that you're not God? It ought to be. You know what's crazy? Some of us act like we're God. We talked about this fact. This outer ball represents all the things we care about. What we realized was this. What we're passionate about, what we have a heart for, what we care about, is always bigger than what we can handle. How many hands has God given you? Two, not nine. You figure out what you can handle. That's a priority question, isn't it? You figure out what you can handle. Guess what gets to be left undone and done by someone else. All the rest that's in that ball right there. Remember the question that I had at the grocery store? Do you want to help needy children? Yes or no? I'm just trying to swipe my ATM, pay for a few groceries. Yes, I want to help the needy children. 
I care about needy children. But I've got seven needy children at my house. They need these groceries right now. No! I joyfully hit no. I didn't feel guilty about it. Because what I realized was I've got priorities. I can't help all the needy children, but there are some specific needy children that I should and must and will help because I've said no elsewhere. One of the things that we celebrate here at NBC is we value picking up new ministry. We also value putting down ministry because there's a time and a season for things. And once in a while we do that publicly up here. You know what that's, you know what that's communicating to you? It's it's okay to stop ministry for a while. Maybe for this season of time, you're supposed to put it down. Maybe God's got someone behind you that's going to do it nine times better and nine times more joyful. Right now, we have need. Uh, if you're a kid under the age of 10, would you stand up right now? Stand up, all the kids. Now wave your hands around like this so we can see you. Some of you can't quite see. All right, there's a lot of them. All right, these little cherubs need servants. Sit back down. Thanks, you guys. These little cherubs need servants. In a church our size, many in this room have already served many, many, many hours and weeks and months in children's ministry. There's a time to come and a time to leave. By the way, these children keep on coming. There's no sign of this slowing down. Right here in first service, there's a, there was a woman who's due in 10 days. We need some children's servants. Let me give you two very specific things. Gria, stand up in the back for a moment. If you want to find out more about this, this is Gria. He's, he's the director over our children's ministry. Here they are. One is we, we need a preschool teacher. Number two, second need, we need an upper elementary assistant. You get a very cool title with that one. In second service. So if you make a habit, you can, you can make a habit of coming to church first service and serving in second service. So those are two very immediate needs that we have right now. You can talk to Gria in the back more about that. All right, we talked about priority in relationships. Uh, one of the miracles of technology is that Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, all these kinds of things have made it so that we can nurture really, really well thousands and thousands of relationships or not. The truth is we can be in contact with hundreds and thousands of people now from our phone, but you just can't nurture that many relationships, certainly not just from a device. You want to know your priority in relationship? If you're a spouse, guess what? If you're married... It's already been defined for you. You may be sitting next to him or her. He or she has a name. That's your focus. God's entrusted you to steward and train up the life of a child as a parent. Guess what? It's already been defined for you. There's your focus. If you're a coworker or a roommate, guess what? It's already been defined for you. If you live in a neighborhood, it's been defined for you. It's the people around you. If you are a member of a church, it's been defined for you. Sometimes God stirs us to love the whole world. I want to just love the whole world. How are you doing loving your brothers and sisters who are right next to you? Well, you don't know them, though. That's where you start. You start loving the church body. You know how many needs are represented right here in this room? Neither do I. But God does. And there's a lot of them. And there was a whole different segment from first service that had a whole bunch of needs that were there. Begin loving on and meeting people in relationship. How about our priority in knowledge? Of all the things you could learn, what must you learn? What's the best to pour yourself into? 
If you know anything about God, it's been given to you. It's a grace of God that you see spiritual things. The flesh doesn't seek out spiritual holy things. Praise God in that. You know what? We're also commanded to grow in what we know. All through the scriptures, we're to grow up in this. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Grow up. Pursue that. How about in our work? Tegan, where are you at? Jump up, sweetie. Help me out. What if every person who has a job this morning goes to work tomorrow, if you work on Mondays, and you did so without grumbling, without complaining, and you worked really, really hard and well, whether the boss was in the room or not? Wouldn't you shine like stars? Tegan, I didn't prep you well enough, sweetie. They look just like this. Watch. Boom. Thank you. Wouldn't you shine like a star in the midst of a dark generation? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a powerful testimony if you worked as unto God? Wouldn't it be remarkable if you viewed work not as a curse, but something that was given before the curse, something that's good, that you're mimicking a God who's a worker? Yeah. That'd be a powerful, powerful witness. Love this quote from John MacArthur talking about work. He basically just tells us that work is good. It didn't come as a result of a curse. It's now a righteous blessing with a curse on top. (laughs) How about approval? This is a really big one. When you prioritize who you're trying to please, who is it? Yourself? Other people? God. I find it tremendously profound that the Father makes a point of audibly letting His voice be heard at two really critical points in Jesus, the Son's life. At the transfiguration and at His baptism, here's what we see. You are my beloved Son. You please me. Some people search their whole life longing for their earthly father to have said those things to them. Just the spoken word of blessing. You please me. The truth of the matter is this. We are found to be in Christ by placing our trust in Him. In Christ. God's spoken word over us to His children are you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. You Please me. So powerful. So life-changing. How about the priority of holiness? If you read through the Bible start to finish, you realize that holiness is huge in the Bible. Here's our question. Is it huge in your priorities list? For this series, or for this sermon, almost all I did that morning was read a whole big chunk of verses of vices. These are the don'ts. God says, don't do these things. The wrath of God is coming on those who sin in this way. And then I spent a whole bunch of time reading a bunch of do's, a bunch of virtues. Live this way. This is holy living. This is pure living. Walk in these things. And that was the bulk of the sermon that morning, just just hearing God's word read. Do we have our face set like flint, saying no matter what, I'm going to keep coming back to living a pure life.
I'm going to mimic my father as a son or a daughter and be holy as he is holy. The response to vices and virtues can be whatever. It can be an apathetic, like, eh, whatever. Heard it before. Laid back, leftover worship. Or it could be the life of a disciple. I'll leave my job. I'll leave my nets. You can call me a fisher of men now. Whatever you say. Whatever. I'm doing it. Finally, we wrapped up with worship. Just talking about the reality that this, this is the, the Bible. The Bible's a worship book. And if you want to talk about greater than, the essence of worship is far more important than the forms of worship. In Joshua chapter 24, um, there's a almost like a gauntlet that's thrown down by Joshua before the people. He says, choose this day. Choose this day whom you'll serve. I've laid it out before you. There's death over here. There's life over here. As for me and my house, we're choosing life. Love that. You know that each week in the Greater Than series, it wasn't me just disseminating information to you. I was trying to report for you and show you in Scripture some of the things God's laid out for us. These are really important things to focus on. But it was a call to decide. It's a call to make a decision. Here's life, here's death. Make a decision. Own it. Walk in it. Let me invite the band to come on back up right now. We're going to sing another song, and then we're going to have an opportunity just to, to hear from one another. Uh, if, if you want to share live, some of you have already been texting. That's fantastic. Uh, I've got a few city messages. Um, but, uh, but be prepared. Stand up. Just give a short, a short thing. Here's, here's some of the ways that, that this has challenged me, that God's been spurring me on. Here's a temptation I struggle with. Body, would you just pray for me? We don't need the, the details of it. But if you're struggling in your priorities with relationship, just stand up and say, of all the weeks, man, that's the one that's nailing me. I need prayer in that. Can, can people maybe just come around me and, and, and do that? We have an opportunity to do that here in service. Uh, we're also dismissing to a welcome lunch this morning. This can continue around a meal. This can continue in smaller settings, not just in kind of larger gatherings like this. Let me pray. God, just now as we continue in song, I pray that, uh, that we would worship you, God. As we get to, uh, to give right now in offering, I pray that we would give uh, money in a response, in a worship, in a sacrificial, joyful way. God, if the, if the giving would ever be done for an outward show, help us to dismiss and pass the basket to go on by. Father, I pray that as we sing, as we think on the lyrics we sing, as we make melody in our heart and mouth, as we listen and submit to your word, as we share a meal and be attentive to someone speaking to us across a plate of food, God, I pray we would do it to please you to honor you, to mimic you. In Jesus' name, amen.